What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and now also on YouTube. That's right, we're on YouTube, and our goal is to get to a thousand subscribers by Halloween. We're up over 600. We are more than halfway there at the halfway point of the month, but we cannot get to our goal. I can't get to my goal without your help. So if you are a new listener or you just haven't subscribed to the show yet, uh, head on over to YouTube, search for Lockdown Blazers, subscribe to the show, help us get to 1,000 by Halloween, help us reach our goal. I would truly, truly appreciate it. In today's episode... It's our latest edition of the Lockdown Blazers Countdown to Tip-Off. We're looking at every player on the roster and how they will contribute to this year's Trailblazers. Uh, we will go through best and worst case scenarios. We'll take a look back at what they did last season in 2021. And then we'll talk about expected role and uh, and expectations for the, this coming season. This is our seventh installment and, and our penultimate installment of the uh, countdown to tip off. We, If you were looking for the rest of them, they're waiting for you in your feed. We've done, uh, we're have done. going to go through every single player on the roster. We've got one left. That's going to be Damian Lillard in Monday's show. But today we are attacking a quartet of players, two veteran wings and two young forwards. That's Tony Snell, Ben McLemore, Greg Brown III, and CJ Ellaby. It is a jam-packed, super huge preview. So let's look at how those four gentlemen performed last season. We'll start with Tony Snell, who was an Atlanta Hawk last year and, and averaged with the Hawks. 5.3 points, 2.4 rebounds, and 1.3 assists in 21.1 minutes in 47 games, including 21 starts. He shot 51% from the floor, 56.9% from three, nearly 57% from three on 2.3 attempts per game. Low volume, a whole bunch of makes for Tony Snell, and he shot 1,000%. That That is 100% from the free throw line. In fact, Tony Snell has not missed a free throw. Since March 12th of 2019, he has made 79 consecutive free throws uh, over two two plus seasons. Uh, That's a little note for you I found exploring the Tony Snell basketball reference page. Has not missed a free throw since March of 2019. So it's been a while. Doesn't get there much, but always makes them. Dude can shoot it. Snell was in and out of the rotation as a backup for the Hawks uh, last season. He started, there was a stretch where he started 18 consecutive games, basically from the end of February until April 1st. Uh, And then when they got to the playoffs, he was mostly out of the rotation. He was He played early in the opening round when they were playing against the New York Knicks, but as the Hawks made their push into the Eastern Conference Finals, Snell was used less and less and then basically just didn't play except for in garbage time. Uh, When the Hawks needed a veteran wing as they made their playoff push, the choice was to go Solomon Hill and his ball handling skills and sort of theoretical defensive chops over Snell's shooting and theoretical defensive uh, defensive chops. It was, uh, uh, Snell was, you know, a useful, hyper-efficient backup who could be counted on to make like more than half of his three-pointers, 57% of his three-pointers. But when the games got really important, Snell wasn't necessarily part of the plan. He left the Hawks and signed a one-year, entered free agency, signed a one-year veteran deal, vet, vet minimum deal with the Portland Trailblazers early in free agency. He will uh, join the team one year on the vet minimum uh, and have a chance to to earn a spot in the Blazers rotation should he end up, should he, when, if and when he gets healthy this season. Moving on to Ben McLemore, who began last season with the Houston Rockets and then was waived in April. The Rockets were going to be good, and then James Harden threw a fit, 
and they had to pivot. Um, they, they traded Harden. They went young. They started, you know, a, they started a massive rebuild, and they no longer needed a veteran shooter like Macklemore, someone who's helpful on a good team, was no longer helpful on a bad team. And they just there just weren't minutes for him. They were going to play young guys over him, Kevin Porter Jr. and 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 the like. We're going to get we're going to get real minutes as 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 a at the guard spots, and Macklemore wasn't going to be the guy, so they let him go so he could sign with a contender type. Um, contender type for the playoff push and he did sign with a contender type not a contender as it turns out but a contender type signing with the los angeles lakers for their ill-fated playoff run for the year uh, ben mcamore averaged 7.4 points in 17.1 minutes in 53 games one start with the lakers four starts with the rockets he shot 37 percent from the field 34.6 percent from three including 36.8 percent from three with the with the lakers better ecosystem he shot better it just happens to players he played on a better team played with lebron james on a team that can generate more open looks and on one of the great um sort of three-point generators the game has ever seen mcamore shot basically league average from three he became he went from shooting a bunch of bricks on a bad team to making shots on a good team. It's typically how it works. McLemore, you know, on the year didn't shoot particularly well, but with the Lakers looked like a perfectly good shooter. He also shot 73.6% from the free throw line. Um, after joining the Lakers, McLemore played in every game. He appeared in every single game as a Laker, but he wasn't really part of the playoff rotation. He did not play in game one or game two of their first round playoff series against the uh, Phoenix Suns, and he only got double digit minutes in games four and five. He didn't play very much in game six after that when the Lakers uh, ended up eventually lost to the Suns in the first round of the playoffs. He was um, a, a specific, he's a specific skill set when they needed his help. He was part of the plan, but they didn't always need what Macklemore specifically provides. And he entered free agency and, and like Snell, signed a one-year veteran minimum deal to join the Portland Trailblazers. He, too, a one-year deal on the vet min. Uh, let's talk about the young guys. Next up is is Greg Brown III, who was the 43rd overall pick, the 13th pick of the second round uh, in, in this year's draft. The Blazers got their man, uh, as they've done in the past. They, they didn't have any draft picks heading into the draft. They They but they traded into the second round, trading a 2026, their own 2026 second round pick and cash considerations to get Brown. Um, the Blazers have been successful targeting second round picks for the most part. And if um, there's reason to maybe be excited, if the Blazers specifically targeted Brown, a big athlete from the University of Texas, that he could be the next in the line of pretty of finding dudes who are NBA players in the second round of the draft. In his lone season in college, where he went to Texas, uh, Greg Brown, was a Big 12 all all freshman performer and he averaged 9.3 points, 6.2 boards, 0.9 assists, 1.1 steals and 1.9 blocks. He was a quintuple single guy, a guy who filled up the stat sheet, uh not particularly impressive but all, you know, basically averaged uh one in one in every counting category in each in in his uh career in in college. He shot 42% from the floor, 33% from three and 70.8% from the free throw line. And most importantly, he did a between the legs East Bay funk dunk during during summer league. Like Dude is a walking highlight. He's not always a good basketball player, but there's every time he's on the floor, he's is as has an opportunity to be just a, just an amazing highlight. Um, he's a highlight waiting to happen. Um, it's he is he's he's fun to watch, entertaining to watch. Um, we'll see how much he actually plays for the Blazers this year. But in the moments that he has, even in uh, even in preseason, he's been there. Are there are times when you say, oh, "Wow, Greg Brown is incredible." Next to CJ Ellaby, who's Rookie season in with the Portland Trailblazers, he averaged 2.3 points, 1.1 boards, and 6.4 minutes in 30 games. Shot 37% from the field, 20.6% from three. That's seven of 34. Very low volume, very few makes. And 73% from the free throw line. 
Ellaby saw double-digit minutes three times. Three. Three. All year long. In his 30 appearances, three games where he actually played significant minutes. A 48-point win against the Oklahoma City Thunder. A 40-point loss to the Dallas Mavericks. And that game in Philadelphia where Damian Lord, CJ McCollum, and Yusuf Nurkic were all out. And CJ Ellaby came off the bench, played 31 minutes, and scored 15 points. Had seven rebounds, an assist, a steal, and two blocks. He was an energy hustle guy. He grabbed two offensive boards early. He was... And the Blazers shocked the world, or at least shocked the Philadelphia 76ers. But when a game they were heavily, heavily favored to lose. Uh, the Blazers were, that is. Uh with you know just Rodney Hood and Carmelo Anthony brought him home and and CJ Ellaby helped so like it was uh you know this was his highlight this was the game you remember is a game that they were supposed to lose and CJ Ellaby helped them steal other than that he just didn't play much he was a spot guy like I said three games where he played double digit minutes he just didn't even on a team that that lacked depth Ellaby was was not part of the regular rotation so that's what each of those four gentlemen did in last season Let's talk about what they're going to do next season. Uh, I want to lay out my best and worst case scenarios. Uh, the idea with these is they're they're the the poles, right? The the best case for a guy and the worst case for a guy, almost everyone falls in between. They're good to sort of get us thinking about what they could be like next season. And they're also useful at the end of the year to think about, you know, back in October, what did we think about Greg Brown the third? Or what did we think about Tony Snell versus what he ends up being when we get to the end of the season and say... Well, well, June, because the Blazers are going to win the championship. Yeah, June is when their season is going to end. Well, that's what we'll do in the second segment. Best and worst case scenarios. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about prize picks. It's the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Uh, they offer more NBA props than any other DFS prop obligator. And they offer superstar players as well as end of the bench guys who are only recording a handful of minutes each night. So if you want props on CJ Ellaby and Greg Brown the third, you can find it at prizepicks.com. Um, Listen, it's it's pretty simple. Here's how you do it. You pick two to five players, and then you pick an over-under on their projections. So you can win up to 10 times on every entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. So you take an over-under, you pick the over or the under, and if you win, you get paid. And PrizePix allows you to mix sports, so you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on uh, Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. They've got an award-winning app. They've also got a website that's prizepicks.com. And you can make these entries quickly. It takes about 60 seconds. It's safe and easy. And then you can get your money fast because they offer quick withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Go to prizepicks.com and use the promo code NBA and you will get a 100% instant match on a deposit of 100 bucks. So if you deposit 100 bucks, prizepicks is going to match you 100%. It immediately becomes $200 to use on their website or on their app. So go to the app store, download the app today, or visit prizepicks.com. Prizepicks is daily fantasy made easy. All right. So we talked CJ Ellaby. We talked Greg Brown III. We talked Tony Snell and and Ben McAmore, what they did last season. Now I want to lay out the best and worst case scenarios. Uh, these are within reason and without injury. We're not talking about MVPs unless, you know, maybe on the Monday show when we talk about the Blazers point guard, we might mention MVPs. But if it's not on the table for these guys, if it's not within reason, we're not talking about that. And and we're not talking about worst case scenario with injuries. Everybody's worst case scenario is that their bodies break down and they can't play basketball. I want worst case scenarios to be things that happen on the court, things that happen within the lines. That's much more interesting and much more a, a better way to sort of gauge what we think these guys will be like. Uh it is, listen, The like I said, 
everyone kind of falls in between. What we're trying to set here is the range of what, what between looks like. We want to set the poles, this, you know, best case and worst case within reason without injury. So let's get into it. The best case scenario for Tony Snell is that he's a reliable shooter who occasionally provides the defensive reliability when the Blazers need defensive reliability when the Blazers need it. The best case scenario is that a player who has shot at least 39% from three in each of the last five seasons stays ahead of that mark as a three and some D specialist. Look, the best case scenario for Tony Snell is that he's a dude who shot 57% from three last year. And when you put him in the game, you expect literally every one he takes from deep to go in. Uh, and he, he doesn't need to shoot 60% from three to do that. But if he shoots, you know, well clear of league average, which he's done in each of the last five seasons, the best case scenario is that he is incredibly reliable as that shooter. And the best case scenario is that he's he's the right answer sometimes on defense. He doesn't hurt you at all defensively. In some matchups, he's the right, his length and his, um, and his size are useful. And that the Blazers who don't have a lot of depth at his spots at the three and the four can call on Snell to be a three and D guy. He's not going to be a lockdown guy. His best case scenario is not that is not that he's like an all defense guy or even like someone who you ask to guard LeBron. The best case scenario is that when you need a defender, you can look down the bench and Snell is the answer to that question. On a team that maybe doesn't have a lot of answers to that question, the best case scenario is that Tony Snell is that choice and that he gets to play and he becomes part of the rotation because that three point shooting is reliable and the defense is good enough that it that it keeps this team afloat. And when they when they ask the question, how are we going to get stops the best case scenario is that tony snell is an answer and a solution for that spot off the bench the worst case scenario is that snell just runs track in his minutes he gets he just gets cardio he's not quick or active enough to get a shot off and he's not impactful on defense the meme of him putting up zero counting stats in 28 minutes with the milwaukee bucks becomes a relatively regular occurrence as his spot minutes simply don't yield anything uh this is not, I, the worst case scenario is not that Tony Snell is no good. The worst case scenario is that Tony Snell just doesn't do enough stuff. He's just a shooter and on a team where they don't need another shooter that he doesn't really do anything else. He's not a playmaker. He's not really a rebounder. And what you end up with is a guy who's a low volume shooter and not quite a good defender. And that means that Tony Snell isn't really the solution. If the best case scenario is that he's a solution to the question, how does he help? The worst case scenario is that the answer is never Tony Snell. The worst case scenario is that Tony Snell can't help. Uh, not that he's unplayable and terrible. It's just that when the Blazers need help and they're saying we've got, we've mostly got the bench rotation figured out, but we need, we need some help from there. Then you look down the bench and you're saying not Snell. We know what he can bring and he can't help us. That's the worst case scenario. The best case for Ben McLemore is, is somewhat similar to Tony Snell, but where Snell is a standstill shooter for the most part a guy who's going to spot up and be open. McLemore is more of a movement shooter, a guy who can come off screens and a guy who can use that movement and his gravity off the ball to open things up for the for his teammates. The best case scenario is that he's dependable enough that he's in the rotation most nights because his shooting and that gravity. And what I mean by that is that people are, people are pulled towards him, that gravitational pull of a shooter because they have to pay attention to him. They respect him so much that defenders pull towards Ben McLemore, that that gravity is too impactful to sit. He's, the best case scenario is that, is that Ben McLemore makes shots and that even when he's not making shots, he's a threat enough on offense to make him a viable weapon. The best case scenario is that is that Ben McLemore is that two guard shooter off the bench who you know you can count on a pretty looking jumper that goes in on a good team last year he was an above average three point shooter and the best case scenario is that he, on a good team again this year he's exactly that. 
The worst case scenario is that McLemore is such a defensive liability that he's a brutal fit next to the rest of the Blazers' backcourt that is honestly chock full of dudes who are below average and bad defenders. The worst case scenario is that McLemore's strengths don't offset his weaknesses and that his specific weakness, being a bad defender is so glaring next to his colleagues that his minutes end up being a negative and then because they're negative his minutes end up vanishing the worst case scenario is that ben mclemore is just a bad fit on this team when you play him mclemore and simon's horrific defensive backcourt mclemore and uh mccollum horrific defensive backcourt mclemore and lillard horrific defensive backcourt and that you'd rather just figure out a way to stretch norman powell's minutes the worst case scenario is that mclemore is offers a skill that the Blazers don't need and that his weaknesses only magnify this team's problems forward and he ends up unplayable. That's the worst case scenario for McLemore. Let's talk about the young guys. The best case scenario for Tony for Tony Snell. The best case scenario for CJ Ellaby is that his defensive instincts mean that he gets real run and he forces a log jam in the back half of the rotation as his effectiveness as someone who can read the passing lanes leads to a roster crunch. That's the best case scenario is that you have to figure out a way to play Ellaby because on a team that's going to need more uh, more sort of wings who can defend, that Ellaby proves to be someone who can be that. The best case scenario is that Ellaby, who has shown a propensity to get in the passing lanes, has, you know, up there in sort of deflections per minute and steal percentage when he's on the court, a real NBA skill in the passing lanes, that that translates into him getting into the rotation each night. The best case scenario is that CJ Ellaby, maybe not he, the best case scenario isn't even that he plays each night. The best case scenario is that by the middle of the season, the conversation includes CJ Ellaby. Okay, we got to kind of figure out how to get him on the court. The best case scenario is that when you're looking at Snell and you're looking at McLemore, that Ellaby is also in that conversation because the back half of the rotation has to include the floppy haired second year forward because he is good enough and impactful on defense that his strengths matter on a team that could use his strengths. The worst case scenario is that he spends another full season watching because he doesn't have enough NBA skills to contribute on a playoff team in the Western Conference and he isn't good good enough to earn the sort of semi-developmental minutes and sharpen his skills on a team with a very thin margin of error. The worst case scenario looks a lot like last season where LB plays just three games in in double-figure minutes. Two of them are in wild blowouts and another is when everyone's injured. The worst case scenario is not the end of LB's career. That doesn't mean he's unplayable as a future. It just means that the... the present on a team that expects to be good can't afford to give LB minutes because he's not good enough. The worst case scenario is that CJ LB spends his second year having a very similar experience to what he did in his first season in the league. For Greg Brown Jr., the best case scenario, Greg Brown the third, I've been calling him Jr. a lot. Blazers have had a lot of juniors over the past couple of years with Derek Jones and Larry Nance and Gary Trent. Greg Brown the third. The best case scenario is that his length and athleticism are undeniable and he learns a spot, he earns a spot as the backup forward because his physical tools translate to impact on both ends as a rebounder, as a hustle player, as a rangy defensive menace. The best case scenario for Greg Brown III is that he plays. Simple as that. The best case scenario for Greg Brown is that when the Blazers sort of need help on a night where they're a little bit shorthanded, that Greg Brown gets in the rotation and then sticks in the rotation. The best case scenario for Greg Brown is that he is a contributor, even if a minor one. But the best case scenario is that he contributes regularly the back half of the season because he is such a good athlete that he's valuable on the court. The worst case scenario is that he isn't ready. 
like most second round picks, he needs to spend time watching and refining his skills before it's reasonable for him to play meaningful minutes. The the worst case scenario for Greg Brown the third looks a lot like CJ Ellaby's uh, f- uh, rookie season. I was gonna say freshman season, rookie season in the league. Uh, is that he just needs to watch? He like he's for Greg Brown. There's some there are some undeniable physical tools, and even in the in uh, preseason, he's flashed this like sort of interest in being a playmaker, a guy who dribbles and then throws cross-court passes. Now, some of them have been terrible, uh, both in his sort of ball handling and his decision-making and sort of on-time and on-target passing, but he, he with the physical tools as a guy who throws down wild dunks um, and and can, you know, a straight-line drive flash to the rim and pretty good cutter and some put-back dunks in, in, in the summer league and stuff like that, like, the the worst case scenario is that, like, those things he kind of has to sharpen in... in um, in a season of development because all of those sort of skills that he's he's shown flashes of are just that they're flashes that need refining that need sharpening and the worst case scenario is that like many uh blazers second round picks before him he spends a season not playing and the best case scenario is obviously he spends a season playing i think he's um more than ellaby he has sort of like a chance just because of his size and his and like his positional potential at power forward that he has a chance to get in there but that's what I want to talk about more in the in the third segment to close out the show is role and expectations for these guys. We've sort of set the parameters, set the polls, best and worst case. And this in the third segment to close out the show, let's talk about sort of what we expect and what roles each of these four gentlemen are going to play. But before we get there, let's talk about Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete like me or someone who's just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush, too. The Theragun Gen 4, that is a Gen 4 Theragun, it doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stress of daily life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. Plus, it's got a design that looks like you're holding something from the future, so it's fun if nothing else. Just go to check out their site and take a look at it. Uh, the Theragun app also learns from your behaviors and it suggests guided routines. So the more you use it, the better it works for you. Trusted by 250 professional sports teams and, like I said, elite athletes just like myself. So try Theragun for free for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on therabody.com slash locked on today's show is also brought to you by built bar the best tasting protein bar that there is that's what they're doing they are making delicious protein bars uh my personal favorites are cookies and cream and chocolate uh, peanut butter brownie that is but there's something for everybody. There's new flavors like cherry lime and strawberry chur- strawberry puff and churro puff as well. Some limited time flavors that are available on built.com right now. There's also some classics like salted caramel and double chocolate. Whatever it is, you will find something that that uh, strikes your palate on built.com. But they're not just delicious. They're also good for you and they pack a real punch. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs at the most. So go get yourself some of these delicious bars. 
all tasty and all healthy and all available at built.com. And you can get 15% off when you use the promo code locked 15. That's locked 15 for 15% off at built.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. That music you hear is from Dre Slaps. You can find a link to all of Dre's work, his latest album energy, and his merchandise in the episode description for this episode. Dre is Portland's own support local music. Dre, I appreciate you. So we talked uh, what these folks, what these gentlemen did last season. We talked best and worst case scenarios. Now let's talk role and expectations for Macklemore, Snell, Ellaby, and Brown. Um, Listen, everyone falls in the middle of best and worst case. I've said that, you know, a couple times now. Uh, I think like what we're doing here is talking about what that middle looks like. Uh, I think Ben McLemore very likely is the 10th man. But part of like talking about role is talking about the guys ahead of him on the roster. The Blazers are have their nine man rotation set in stone. If you a regular listener to this podcast, it's the... Heading into training camp, this is the rotation we projected. Coming out of training camp, nothing changed. I still project the exact same. Dame, CJ, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Yusuf Nurkic are your five starters. Off the bench, Anthony Simons, Cody Zeller, Larry Nance Jr. and Nazir Little. That's your nine-man rotation every night. I think Macklemore is 10th, reasonably 10th. On some nights, he could be ninth. On some nights, he's he's a better fit than what Nas brings. Um, I think Nazir Little's kind of a wild card. He's got real potential, but hasn't had much production. There's going to be nights when having a veteran who can really shoot it is more valuable and that the Blazers, depending on who they play, depending on the matchup, won't be killed by playing a bunch of small ball lineups. Macklemore, when he plays, is almost certainly going to be playing in three-guard lineups just based on the rest of the roster and how the rotation is going to work out if he's if he's in the game unless the Blazers are going like true uh bench mob with five five bench players he's going to play next to two other guards whether it's Damon Norm you know Damon CJ any combination with Anthony Simons Norm Powell and and the two starting guards like that's just how it's going to be. That's that's where Macklemore fits in. I think um, some nights he'll be ninth but I think right now he's very very reasonably 10th. Um I also want to say this I don't totally understand Macklemore on this roster. I think he's like fine, right? Like every team could use a veteran shooter. He's he's a guy who can really shoot it. You know, he's he's six, he's not small. He's six five, but he's not big. Like I think any any other position would make more sense for what Macklemore's doing. It would make more sense if he was a point guard. It would make more sense if he was more of a small forward. If he was power forward. If he was a center. Like up, all of those spots would make more sense in the back half of the Blazers roster. There is their their deepest and most talented position is is shooting guard. Like there just aren't a ton, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. Like I just I just don't get it. I not that I don't think Ben McLemore can help. I think he could help a lot of good teams. I don't know if he helps this team in in a in a very serious way. So I think he's tenth. Um, he's the tenth guy off the bench. I think Snell would have competed for ninth. Um, I think Snell just the way that guys have talked about him, the way that Dame and CJ have both sort of mentioned the team. I think Snell would have been ninth, or at least in that competition for Nazir Little for ninth. But Snell has missed all of training camp and is very likely to begin the regular season uh, on the injured list with a, with a sprained foot. Like he's, if he was available, I think he'd be playing something in the range of of you know, or he'd be hated an opportunity to play every single night. And certainly, um, he probably, he's a much better shooter than Nazir Little at this, at this stage. And he's probably a better defender just in terms of reliability. Like Nas has a potential to be a much better defensive player. And I think he deserves to play because it's, there's much more value in Nas being good than Tony Snell being reliable for the Blazers. Like that's just like, just like 
in the in the now and in the future like Nas has a higher ceiling and et cetera et cetera but like I think if Snell was healthy he might be challenging for ninth I always projected Nas just based on first round pick drafted by Neil Neil's guy year three it always made sense that he was going to be number nine I projected going into the preseason I think that's still the case but and Snell just you know not available to challenge I think when he's healthy should he get healthy he's he has a chance to be that guy like he has a chance to be ninth for the young guys I just don't think they play uh I think in in some ways Snell and Mclemore are interchangeable. They're shooters, um, and depending on whether you need a shooter who's kind of a forward or a shooter who's kind of a guard, you call on Snell or you call on Mclemore. Like I think they're relatively interchangeable. They're not. They don't have like really identical st- skill sets. Um, they're you know. Tony Snell is a spot up and Macklemore is a guy who can, who can shoot off movement and Macklemore is a horrific defender. And Tony Snell is like a kind of an okay defender at times, at least like not going to hurt you defender at times. Um, so, or for the most part, not going to hurt you. So like they're not, but their, their roles are relatively interchangeable. Veteran. Do we need another veteran shooter? And where, what do we need? I think Snell and, and Macklemore are interchangeable. Although I think Snell, if healthy is, it would, I would project ahead of Macklemore in the death chart. Uh, the other guys, um, like, I just don't think Greg Brown and CJ will be play. Um, I don't think that's bad news. In fact, I want to say this. I think CJ Ellaby has found a lot of fan vitriol this offseason that I just don't understand. I think, um, at least in my Twitter mentions and what I've seen in sort of perusing r slash Rip City on Reddit, like people are blaming CJ Ellaby for being um, bad and all second round picks are bad. Most of those dudes don't make the league. The Denver Nuggets or uh, the Dallas Mavericks rather just cut Tyrell Terry, who two years ago was the first pick of the second round. They, they cut him and paid him over almost $3 million, $2.7 million to not be on the team. Like second round picks don't make it. It's very, it's very, it's very, very standard for second round picks to be no good. And maybe what's happened is that Neil Olshay has been really good at finding guys who are actual NBA players in the second round, like Alan Crabb and Will Barton, Gary Trent Jr., Jake Lehman, Pat Connaughton. Um, like those are real NBA players. Dudes are going to play in the league for, you know, several contracts that he's found in the second round. And so maybe that is like screwed up people's expectations of what second round picks should be. But like most of these dudes don't make the league. Most people after 20th in the first round, don't like, don't play in the league is it's, it is very hard to stick in this league and it is not uncommon for second round picks to not be NBA players. Um, CJ Ellaby has just, he's caught a lot of weird vitriol for being like, to be clear, I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's a long-term NBA player, but like, he's played one, one weird COVID season and now he's heading into year two and people are um, saying like, why is he on the team? Get rid of him. Um, would the Blazers be better off with like a real NBA player who was the back half of the rotation? Sure as hell would. Um, but that's, I, I feel like that's more of a problem with Ben McLemore being not a great fit than CJ Ellaby being a second round pick who doesn't stick. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'll get off my soapbox, but like if you're mad about second rounders, just like look at any second round of any NBA draft and how many of those dudes are real NBA players. There's um, there's not, everyone wants to have Nikola Jokic and Mano Ginobili, um, but most <laughs> Most people end up with Tyrell Terry, okay? It's it's it is how it works. To be honest, I don't think either of the young guys play. I think Greg Brown is more likely to play because of his physical gifts and his size. Um, you know, he's just he's bigger. At six nine, the Blazers might need they need more depth at power forward than they would need at like two three, which is what uh, LB is. And he's really a two because um asking him to guard big wings in the league is it's he's just not strong enough to do it yet. Neither of those dudes are gonna play. It's not a problem that neither of those guys play. Um it's not most guys, most second rounders don't play. LB will have a huge year in, in year three, like op- opportunity. I'm not predicting a huge year. He's got an opportunity to, to find out if he's an NBA player in year three. What he does in year two is not impactful for me. I don't think 
I don't think either of those dudes are contributors. Um, it would be, you know, the Blazers have, have relatively good depth and they're, and they have their eyes on being a high level playoff team, or at least a really competitive playoff team. Um, not playing dudes who are younger than 22 is normal in that pursuit. Uh, you would, wouldn't it be nice, but the Blazers don't have that luxury. And I don't think it's an indictment of either of those two gentlemen or Neil Olshay, quite frankly, that, um, that Greg Brown and CJLB are probably not NBA players in this season. I just, I, I think it's a normal fact of having second rounders on your roster. That is going to do it for the player previews. Like I've said, I've every if you are looking for more of these, I've done every player on the roster except Damian Lord. Damian Lord is going to be Monday show. This is actually a bonus episode. This is this counts as we're still going to do five more next week. This counts as episode six. I'm releasing it on Saturday, October sixteenth. It is this. It is the sixth episode this week. I just I want to make sure we have player previews of everyone. We have these four. We have everyone else on the roster. Um, Go back and listen. It's a good way to sort of they're in your they're in your podcast feed, or there's a playlist of all of them on YouTube. It's kind of just a good way, I think, to get prep for the season. The season starts on Wednesday, October twentieth. You've got plenty of time to you know pour through seven of these episodes. Uh, they're about thirty minutes long each, and you can kind of get ready and think about how each player is going to contribute and how all the puzzle pieces fit together. So uh, go back and go back and check those out if you haven't listened to because I think I think they could be really useful primers uh, as we get ready for the season. And the season is basically here, which means do me a favor, subscribe to this podcast on YouTube. Like I said, we're, we're pushing for a thousand by Halloween. Uh, we're up over 600. Hopefully we're near 700 by the time you're listening to this. Uh, I want to get to a thousand by Halloween. So if, if you're a longtime listener who just hasn't done it yet, get on and do it. If you're a new listener, please subscribe on YouTube. If you're just discovering us on YouTube, go ahead and smash that subscribe button. I'm really, really happy to have you. This is a daily podcast, free every day, five days a week, all about the Portland Trailblazers, the only daily Portland Trailblazers podcast. So subscribe on YouTube. Do me a favor. It's also available wherever you get podcasts. So if you have friends who are who are trying to get into the Blazers as the season starts, tell them about Lockdown Blazers and tell them they can just search Lockdown Blazers wherever they want to listen to this podcast and on YouTube and they'll find it. Next week, we got Damon Lord player preview. We'll do a mailbag. We're going to preview the uh, the season opener, talk about what to expect this season. And then, and then the, the Blazers play on Wednesday night. We'll have a real NBA game. Thursday show will be breaking down that game. Um, we'll look ahead and do an interview on Friday show, hopefully. Uh, we're going to do interviews each week of the season. Like I said, a free, free five days a week, wherever you get podcasts and free on YouTube. Sounds like a pretty good deal. So listen and tell your friends to do the same. Appreciate listening. Talk to you soon.